0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good. Good. I'm glad to be here, too. I was throwing up this time last week. Anyway. It's probably more than you wanted to know, but I thought we're family, right? I hate to throw up. Those of you watching online go, I've never heard a preacher talk about throw up from the stage. Well, you have now. It always freaks me out, you know, it comes out your nose. Anyway, so anyway, all that, you know, it just freaks me out, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, am I going to be able to breathe? Is, is a pee going to get stuck? I don't know. Anyway, um, way too much information, but you can deal with it, right? All right. <laughs> well I am so glad to see y'all that came back and Jesse didn't run too many people off Um, I love my buddy I tell you he's he's a great one and uh, he kind of threw me under the bus at 11 I heard him I watched him you know he him sick I'm gonna grab you by the throat my black brother all right now so yeah you know that's that's how we relate so anyway um, I love my buddy he is really a brother to me and When I texted him Saturday night, you know, he was a lot nicer to me then than he was at 11. Uh, I I think he got into my Red Bulls, what I think happened, yeah. You know, we've been talking about uh, a life of transition and a life of change. And it's been said that the first step to change is recognizing you need to change or acknowledging that there is something in your life that needs to be shifted. And uh, change is inevitable. And, but growth is intentional. You're going to change in life. Seasons are going to change. We're going to come into spring. and you know you, There's going to be a change of seasons, so you're going to change your clothes. You're not going to wear big jackets anymore. There's going to be change. Uh, some of you are going to want to trim down, and some of you don't give a flip. Anyway, so, you know, but um, uh, before I forget, next Sunday, uh, Jesse will be on stage with me. We're dedicating the building next Sunday and uh, praying over it next Sunday. And Jesse will be with me. And, and Sam Hen, dear brother, you would remember Sam. <laughs> He's the Hen brother I really love. Anyway, so Sam will be, I love Benny too, but Sam's really my dear friend. So he'll be here next week as well. We're just going to have a celebration, pray over the building. And uh, I'm believing God for great things. Anyway, uh, you have to be intentional if you're going to grow. And so, in order to grow, you need to find out areas where you need growth. Uh, do you get mad easily? Do you get offended easily? Do you get hurt easily? Uh, are you always looking out for yourself instead of others? What are the things in your life that you would like to change in 2017? What are the things that you can see? What are the things that you're aware of uh, that, that you say, you know, I don't like talking about that because we typically don't like talking about things that we're insecure about, things that we see in the mirror, things that we don't like. But, but you're going to have to, if you're going to grow... It, it will require an intentional effort to grow. It's why you're in church. Hopefully you're not here just to satisfy this mean God that the world thinks is mean. But you're here because there are things in your life you say, you know, I just want to get in the presence of God. I want to sing to God, worship God, hear a word from God that will allow me to transition into the season that I'm going into and transition well and, and change in such a way that I can be everything that God wants me to be. The first week I talked about the beginning of this is having that revelation from God. Uh, without a revelation, the NIV says, my people cast off restraint. In other words, no structure, no discipline to their lives to drive them to their purpose. Without a vision, one translation says, uh, says my people perish. In other words, they die. They, they, don't, they don't really live. So you get that revelation, and then what do you do next? You have to go to God, and you say, God, I realize these are the things I need to change in my life, the transition in my life. And this is where transformation comes in. The Bible tells us to be transformed, not uh, modify our behavior. Religion says that you need to modify your behavior. When I got born again, I had Peter Frampton hair, and now I barely have hair. And so I had curly hair down on my shoulders, and I came into the church. And, you know, they didn't know what to do with me. Matter of fact, they treated me nice because they were afraid I was crazy and going to kill somebody. And so, but, but they, what they, you know, the, the first thing they were looking for is to see if I would cut my hair. Because that was a sign of real Christian change. So now I'm just going to grow my beard long because I don't have any hair to grow long. And so, so they, the church started looking for behavior modification. Will you modify how you look and how you act? And this is the reason I'm real big on getting the seed of the Word of God into people's hearts and lives. And the Bible says that you are to be led by the Spirit. That you are to be led by the Spirit of God. I can give you insight. I can give you words. I can give you scriptures. But the reality is until that gets sown in you. And you really say, I just want to be who God's called me to be. Not who Mark expects me to be. Not who the church expects me to be. Not who my mother-in-law expects me to be. Not who anybody expects you to be, but God. Who do you want to be? That's transformation. And the problem is, we've got a bunch of people being rehabilitated but not transformed. And when you get transformed, you want to live the life from the inside out. It's a soul change, not a behavior change. Now, the behavior may change, it may not. You know, I mean, there are certain aspects of your personality. Have you ever just any type A's in here? I just, every now and then, I'd like to be something other than a type A because I just can't deal with life without telling everybody what to do. You need to do this, you do that, fix this. I mean, I I walk in, there's a cable in the hallway over here. It's been hanging down since we moved in for six weeks. It's driving me crazy. You didn't even notice it. I walk and say, "Why, why is that hanging here? And still hanging there. And if I don't say anything, it'll be hanging there this time next year. Because it doesn't bother anybody but me. And I don't know if God did it. I don't know if God will drop it down there again if it gets cut off. But at least I'm aware, I have a revelation that I have that issue. I walk into buildings, I see light bulbs out, I see cables hanging down. And, and, you know, some of y'all, you don't even remember how you got here. And you won't remember when you parked. When you go outside, where did I park? I, I kind of I envy you sometimes, not really, most of the time. Uh, but to be that laid back, but see, that's a part of my personality, it's who God made me. So I just have to do my best to sanctify that. Some of y'all need to get sanctified in other ways. Like get a clue, you know what I'm saying? And so it, change is, is an act, of, it's a, a result of transformation. And today, the third thing in this series is information. Once you're transformed, guess what happens? Your pride and your ego begin to fade because now you realize it's not all about you and how well you perform and what everybody thinks about you because it really doesn't matter. What matters is that you want what God wants more than anything and you're willing to hear uh, what needs to be done. But some people never change. There were a Couple of guys in a small town owned a, a business, and because it was a small town, they kind of had a monopoly on their particular business. And because they had a monopoly, everybody had to come to them. But they were mean. They did nothing for customer service. They weren't kind. They would cheat people out of stuff. It was they were just 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 cold-hearted business brothers. And one day, one of them passed away. He just died, and it's, they were really close because they were partners in crime, if you will. And uh, the one brother thought, man, I, I've got to do my brother. I've got to make sure my brother's funeral is just awesome. Yeah, and so he he finds a preacher in town, and uh, he goes to the preacher and he said, "Preacher, I'd like for you to eulogize my brother." And the uh, preacher sat there a moment, and thought he knew who he was. And he said, "Look, preacher, here's what I'm going to do. If if you will eulogize my brother and you will use the word saint about him in your eulogy." I will donate $10,000 to the church. I mean, any preachers we going to pray about that one in about 30 seconds. And so the preacher says, you know what? I'll do it. So the brother writes out a $10,000 check, hands it to the preacher. And uh, just a couple of days, days, the funeral service is being held. And the preacher gets up to the lectern and he goes, I just want to say, this was one of the meanest men I've ever met in my life. He was a cheat, a thief. He was just cruel, but he was a saint compared to his brother. <laughs> Kept his end of the promise, you know. So sometimes, <laughs> some of you still don't have it. You'll be asking, what, what did he mean by that? I'll explain it to you in the lobby. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. One translation, the message reads, Without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. The reason we oftentimes don't seek counsel is that we've made up our mind Uh, what we want, the way that we want to go and the way we want things to turn out for us. So we don't seek counsel because we're afraid that somebody will tell us something that we don't want to hear. How many of you realize, and if you don't realize this, this will be a great learning experience and a great moment for you. You have blind spots. I have blind spots. There are things I don't see about me. And you know what? Oftentimes what we do is we make sure, we have a sense that there may be a blind spot, but we keep covering it up because we think nobody else sees it. And we don't want to hear from anybody else. We don't want to hear counsel. If if you're 13, you're so brilliant, you ought to leave home right now because you're not going to get any smarter. I mean, how many of you know that I, I was a youth pastor for years, and I, I tell you, I had the most brilliant youth ministry in the world. These kids thought they knew everything. And so there's that... That insecurity that causes us to think, I don't need a revelation. And if I don't need a revelation, I certainly don't need your information. I don't need your help. And we all need other people's help. We need one another. We're better together than we are apart. And and we need to realize that if one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, that if we could really just not be so insecure... And afraid of what someone might say, it'd be amazing what you might find out. Before I started this church, after everything I'd gone through, listen man, you guys know me, I told you from Jump Street that coming back to where the wind comes sweeping down the plains was not my number one choice. (laughs) I wanted to live on a beach somewhere. I, I mean, I had it all planned out. I even went to a business investor and I said, look, why don't I set up a thing on the beach in the U.S. Virgin Islands? We'll get some kayaks, and we we will, you know, we will uh, we'll get some paddle boards, and uh, we'll have somebody open a bar, and you know, I mean, I had it all planned out, you know, I God just didn't get in line. I don't know what he was thinking, and you know, I'll marry him and bury him right there on the beach. There's no better place to get married than right there. I had it all planned out, and God comes and says, "Come here." So here's what I did. You know, I tried everything I could, really, to get out of being here. I'm just telling you all that. I mean, I know you feel the love when I say that, don't you? Yeah. No, I just thought, why would I want to come back to a place where all hell broke loose in my life? Why would I want to do that? Nobody wants to do that. Right? I mean, you want to go hide. You want to disappear. So I go to my three restoration guys, and I ask each one of them. I said, you know, January 3rd, God spoke to me to come back to Oklahoma City and start a church. And here's what I told each one of them. I told Craig Rochelle, Marty Grubbs, and Rob Koch. These are my three guys. And I said, guys, if any one of you, just one of you, says don't start the church in Oklahoma City, I won't. And, you know, I was kind of looking and saying, one of you, tell me. (laughs) I even baited them. I mean, I told them straight up. But I knew that there was safety in a multitude of counsel, and these guys are dear friends of mine. They've been the best of friends and the greatest counselors you could ever ask for, along with my personal counselor. Your pastor has issues. Anyway, so... So I'd let you know that right up front. You're in a great place if you have issues. We should have named this Issue Christian Center. Um, (laughs) And so anyway, I I asked him, and and each one of them had their saying. But one of them said this. He said, you know what? All he said was, you know, Mark's going to be hard. You know what? I appreciated that comment probably more than any comment I got from any of them. He said, it's going to be hard. And he wasn't discouraging me. He was preparing me. How many of you know that sometimes when people say something like that, it's not discouragement, it's preparation. They're not trying to tell you not to do it. They're just simply saying, look, Mark's going to be hard. I want you to get ready for what's going to be difficult. This is counsel. Sometimes when somebody says something you don't like, it doesn't mean they're against you. It just simply means they may see a blind spot that you don't see. They've heard something you haven't heard, and they have something to say that you need to hear. And you know what? They were great, and they were right, and, and, and here I am. I just went to get counsel. I, I, I didn't want my way. I wanted to know God's way. How many of you know God's way is the way, not our way, His way? And so if we can just set ourselves and say, God, give me a revelation, a vision of your will. He never promised it would be easy. He just promised He'd be there with you. And you know, how many of you know? Criticism will always come, but I've never seen a monument built to a critic. And so all you have to do is say, God, here I am. I want to know your way. And the very first thing is mental counsel. There are several types of counsel. And the first one is mental counsel, which I call experiential. People who have studied mentally or experientially what you're wanting to do. That's why I went to to some of those guys who are doing what I'm doing. And actually one of them said, Are you sure you want to go back to this? I kind of envy you that you, you know, that you haven't been in it. I won't tell you which one. <laughs> it would be used against me, I'm sure. But, you know, they just said, you know, this is a hard thing. And, you know, experience, you want to go to somebody who's had experience as you seek counsel. Don't just go to spiritual, charismatic people. You know, there'll be somebody that will prophesy over you and I'm not against that but let me tell you something prophecy is not directional prophecy is confirmational when someone prophesies it has to bear witness with your spirit it's not a directive it's just something to confirm in you that what God's been saying to you someone else has been told the same thing but in mental counsel you want someone who's had experience and let me tell you something you need to go to people who have succeeded and failed, not just people who have succeeded. Because there's a reason people fail. And sometimes failure is the greatest teacher to your future success. I have a friend who started a church in Dallas. And he's a really great communicator, great guy, really smart. But he failed miserably. Then he went to another small town outside of Dallas, started another church, failed. And today he pastors a really large church in the south. Third time. He could have quit. But you know what? He just kept on. His failures, he kept learning from his failures. He kept getting counsel from people of experience. And eventually, he had enough inter- information that it caused him to be able to do some things differently that has now built a very successful church. And then there are times there are people that have failed and stayed out, and you want to go ask them, why, why are you not doing what you wanted to do? And what caused your failure? And why are you living the way you're living? You've got to have honest conversation. If you want to transition well and you want to change well. You know, I'm just being real frank with you, honest as I can be. If you're, you know, if you're looking um, to get healthy, you want to find someone who's healthy. You know, you don't want to go on a weight loss program with someone who eats a dozen Krispy Kreme every day. Yeah, I always like coming back this way and being real strong. You, don't, I mean, I, I, I love fitness, and so when I go to the gym and I see trainers who, that I don't think should be training, I wouldn't pay them to train me. I said that as politely as I could. I think you read between the lines. You know, don't you want someone who is an example of what you want to become is what I'm saying. You want someone who's going to be an example of what you want to become, that has experienced what you need to experience. Listen, never ask a boxer how to box if he's never had a broken nose. You don't want to go to somebody who's a pretty face and go, why? Because they've never been hit. Why is it important that you go to somebody who's been hit so you'll know what to do when you get hit? Because you're going to get hit. That's as foolish as somebody telling their, you know, I (coughs) I wanted to play football. My parents didn't want me to. I said, I won't get hurt. Can I tell you something? You play football, you're going to get hurt. It's just stupid to think you're going to go out there and never get hurt. If you play football and don't get hurt, you're on the sidelines. And even then it's dangerous. <laughs> you want people who have experienced where you're going, where you're headed. You have to get counsel. You can't just assume. And, you know, I, <coughs> you read books about people who have theories about certain things. If I was going to go to to the service and I knew I was going overseas, I would want to talk to someone who had actually been shot at. I don't want to talk to someone who knows about guns. I want to talk to someone who's been shot at by a gun so that I will know what to do when the bullet's coming. That's how come if you ever go to a church where a pastor has never sinned, get out of the church. Because you won't know what to do when you do. Two-thirds of you. Better than I thought. No, the reality is in religion we've been hiding behind performance. There are more depressed pastors in America than you could count. You need a calculator who stand up every week. With a face and go home depressed. I was one of them. I ain't depressed no more. You just get caught up in it. I do what I'm supposed to do. When I'm supposed to do it. The way that people want me to do it. So now when I got issues, I just share them with y'all. Is that okay? That's what I thought. Even if you didn't applaud, I was going to tell you <laughs> why? Because it's free. Come on, folks. We we all there. We all got something going on in our lives today. Something happening. Something that we're looking at going that seems insurmountable, difficult. We can't overcome. And the reality is, you want someone that's going to be honest with you. You know, years ago after the, the big riots in L.A., I was a youth pastor in South Texas and. Uh, I, I'm real big. You guys know me. I'm real big on, on being involved in hurting people's worlds. I, I just, To me, it's just a driving force. I just love people who are fighting the good fight but just don't have enough information to get over the hump. And that if we can go help them, we'll help them. And so uh, I used to fly a lot in and out of Orange County Airport. John Wayne, Santa Ana has three names. It's the most confusing airport in the world. And, and so there's a, a sound abatement law because it's just, it's just right on the cusp of all these wealthy homes and people. And so when they fly in and out of John Wayne, they have to uh, cut their engines way back to the point where you can't even hear them. Well, I'm taking these teenagers out there and, and on the way back we're taking off and I knew what was going to happen when we took off. Matter of fact, there was a day when they first started this when this sound abatement law was put into force. Uh, they, the, the pilots would literally come on and tell the passengers what was about to happen because it was going to scare the out of people. And, uh, and so, so we're, we're taking off, and these kids are all there. And I was, I was a little bit of a rascal because I, I just, just want to see what they do. And so, so we're taking off, and the thrust, I mean, we're, just, we're pulling cheese, and we're taking off. And all of a sudden, about 3,000 feet, the pilot just cuts the engines back. These kids were freaking out. And I just laughed. I did not use my experience to better their experience. I, I could have told them, now when we take off, this is going to happen, but I wanted to see them scared. I'm going to use it as a sermon like, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not under your own understanding, all your ways, acknowledge Him, and you won't be afraid. But they didn't ask me, so I didn't tell them. People of experience need to share their experience. Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul said, I've been down a few roads you haven't been yet. I've seen some things you haven't seen. I've experienced some things you haven't experienced. And I can give you some advice if you'll just listen to me. Sometimes we think we're too smart. And, and we're so insecure that we don't want anybody helping us. We want to do it ourselves, and we make more and more mistakes. And you can do that, but you can save yourself a lot of time, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt if you'll remember there is safety in a multitude of counsel. Trying to find the people that that can help you navigate your way. Before I started my first church, I had a I called a buddy of mine who had already planted a church in L.A., and I asked him what he had learned. And he sent me a, a book about this thick. It was a manual. And I went through that manual before I ever started the church. Just so I could know when I got to certain places in the plant of that church. That I would know what to do. And you know what, it worked. I just sought counsel. And uh, just to bring this up it's a perfect time. Some of y'all, January, here we are. I hate gyms in January because all the wannabes are in there taking up equipment. They don't know how to use and you know that they, they just February, they done. I was like, I did my three weeks in the gym. Mm-hmm. But we, we've, we're starting a boot camp for women here starting February 8th, women. And so, uh, trainer from Gold's Gym is a member of our church. And right down here on the front, Miss Amy Alvarez. And uh, yeah, you, you don't know what to do, do you? <laughs> anyway, so uh, it's going to be exciting, and you can sign up afterwards. But the idea is. Uh, if you have this knowing, and some of you women, you're, you know, I, it's, I know it's very, very difficult. So I said, look, I told Amy, I want no men in there. I want women to be able to come in and feel comfortable in your own skin. And I want you to, I want you to know that this is going to be a great support group. It's not just physical training. It's life transformation. It really is spirit, soul, and body. Because some of y'all are overweight, not because you have a weight issue, because you have a soul issue. Can I be honest today? Don't get mad at me because I didn't call you anything I shouldn't have called you. Metabolism challenged. I did not say a word. What I'm saying is there are soul issues that if you'll listen to someone of experience, uh, that that the change that you want to see happen can happen. Now, you know, we love you just like you are. But the reality is the healthier you are, the happier you're going to be. Spirit, soul, and body. And so in this church, I don't believe that we're addressing all the issues in the, in the church at large. I want to address all the issues that oftentimes if we're insecure, we feel bad about ourselves in our soul, we, we eat things we don't want to eat. We, we watch things we don't want to watch. We don't do things we ought to be doing. And, you know, I want you to be happy and healthy. I really do. I want, I want you to be, when I went to Old Roberts University, in order to pass every year, we had to do a three-mile run. And, you know, the, the media at that time wasn't as savvy as they are today, but they even criticized the Oral, saying, you know, you, you don't let heavy people in. He said, yeah, I do. I just want people to be whole, spirit, mind, and body. And it challenged me. And uh, I, I, it's a part of my life today. It transformed how I thought about my body and about my life. And so those words of experience have helped me. Last weekend was the second weekend that I've missed preaching in nearly 40 years. I had never missed a Sunday because of sickness, and last week, actually, I could have preached Sunday morning, but I felt like I was contagious, so I was a little smarter, because I could have come and contaminated all of you, and I thought, you know, I just don't want to go get everybody sick and have them where I was, just to let you know, so when Jesse threw me under the bus, I was like, hey, brother. mm I heard him, too. He didn't know I heard him. He thought I was too sick to watch. He's up here. I'm sick. Come on, I'm going to get Jesse next weekend. Jesse, if you're watching right now, I'm going to blow you up next weekend when you're up here with me. Mm. Yeah, he threw me. I heard the beep, beep, beep. Well, here he comes. Yeah, he played the brother card on that one, man. I'm telling you, I, I, was, I wanted to come through the Internet on that Secondly is spiritual counsel. This is information from people of prayer and people in the word. Now, you don't want to get counsel from people who are not in prayer and in the word and who don't know the word and are not in prayer. These are people, this spiritual counsel from people who say, you know what, I'm going to pray about this. Because there are people really who are helpful that have never experienced what you're about to experience, but they know the promises of God. They know the promises. Listen, sometimes one promise, one seed of God's word sown in your heart can change everything in your life. You know, for me, it was I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I got born again, that was the only verse I knew. And, it, you know, I'm glad because it was short. You know, it was one of those short verses. People who memorize, like, books of the Bible, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I mean, it's like going, how in the world do you do that? But that scripture stayed in me. I can. So when you get the I can attitude and that seed gets in you, something happens in your life that causes you in a difficult time to remember, I can do this. And so you get spiritual counsel from people who have spiritual wisdom. And, and they may not know one thing about what you are trying to attempt physically or naturally. But they know everything about the promises of God that will apply to your, your challenge. In my life, I have looked to these people time and again. wouldn't be standing up here without two older ladies my mother's age that came to me after I got born again. And I didn't know what prophecy was. I, I really didn't know much about the Bible. I, I just didn't. I just, uh, they came and they, they, they said they saw me. And they didn't know at that time, doing what I'm doing right now. I didn't see it. I didn't know. I didn't want to go into ministry. I thought all preachers were nerds. And most of them are. I thought, how, there, there was no cool on the stage. I mean, they, they used way too much stuff on their hair. You know, it was all slicked down. And, and you know, it, and they, they talked in King James, and then in a Pentecostal church, if somebody spoke in tongues, somebody had to interpret. I, I didn't. I had to read the Bible to interpret God. I couldn't some do a Shondi die, and the Lord said. So I didn't want to go into ministry, but these these prophetic words got in me and stayed there, and I knew they were right. And this was the kind of counsel I needed, or I wouldn't be standing up here. Sometimes you just need someone to see something you don't see, to say something you won't dare say about your life to get you to the place you want to be. You realize a lot of people were in the athletic world were recognized by somebody else before they knew they even had a gift. And sometimes you just need somebody to bring that kind of counsel into your life to prompt you, pop you up, and get you to where you want to go. Now, Next week is the dedication. I want you to bring people. I do. But I'm about to share a story with you that hopefully will resonate with you. When I read this, I was reading last week in a book, and this came up, and I was like, wow, this is a great story. It says two people were lost in the desert. They're dying from hunger and thirst. Finally, they come to a high wall. On the other side, they can hear the sound of a waterfall. Now, just just for a moment, think about this. You're dying of thirst. And you're on one side of the wall, and the water's on the other side of the wall. Now, you've got to think about some things right now. Am I going to fight to get over that wall? Am I going to get to that waterfall? Let me continue reading. And birds are singing above. They can see the branches of a lush tree extending over the top of the wall. Its fruit looked delicious. One of them manages to climb over the wall and disappears down the other side. And you'd say, what a brilliant guy. They had found the oasis. They had found nourishment. They had found everything they had hoped for and searched for and journeyed for. And and this one man begins to think about himself and how hungry he is and how thirsty he is and how desperate he is to have what he hears and experience what he has seen, just a small portion. But one of them decided to do something different. And he returned to the desert to help other lost travelers Find their way to that oasis. You see, sometimes we get so caught up in us that we lose sight of other people's spiritual needs. And hungers and thirsts and things that they have going on. This Easter, I'm going to sow this in your heart right now. Every one of us in here know people that are in a desert place. Hungry and thirsty and searching for hope and searching for God and searching for peace. And searching for something that will give their life meaning and purpose. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if all we ever did was came here and get our needs met and eat of of the spiritual nutrition of God and never think once about them? The greatest thing we possess is we know where the water is. We know where the food is. We know where the hope is. We know where the grace is. We know where the mercy is. We can't just climb over the wall ourselves. I want over a 1,000 people here on Easter. Can you get with me on that one? You know, I, I, I kinda, I'm kind of not into the golf crowd. I'm like monster truck rally type people. This is not the first church of the dignified. Thank you. Emotional counsel. Now, we admire adversity quotient. Intelligence quotient, IQ, that's what, that's what our world is built around. But let me tell you what's lacking here is emotional quotient. People who care so deeply that when you're hurting, they rise to your level of pain. They don't judge you. They don't criticize you. Why would you care? Get up and do something about it, but really connect with, with your pain. The Bible says that we are to weep with those who weep. And, you know, there are always people who want to share their, their victories and their intelligence and, you know, their mental prowess and what they've been through and their experience. And that's great. You need that counsel. Then there are people who are very spiritual that, that really are so far out in front of us where they know things, they know Scripture, they know the Word, they know how to pray. I mean, they're just people that when they pray, I just stop. I'm not that eloquent. But I love to hear eloquent prayer. I do. I'm just not that guy. I'm like, yo, God, help me up in here. You know, God, get, get down to business. Let's get this done. You know, I mean, that's me. And then there are the people that have this emotional quality that I want to be very aware of. And over the last few years have become very, very aware of that deficiency in my life. And so I, I wanted to get around people. And I would talk to my counselor and I would ask, I, I want to be more empathetic. Help me. And I realized what that meant was that I had to be more vulnerable If somebody else was going to be vulnerable with me. Nobody's ever going to be vulnerable with you. If you criticize them and judge them for their tears. So sometimes the best thing you can do. Is if you have to bring an onion to that meeting. Bring an onion but weep with them. Just weep with them. Because sometimes that's all anybody needs. Is just someone who will cry with them. You don't always have to have the answer. If you're a Christian you're carrying the answer. And the very presence of God's spirits on your life. And they can sense your compassion. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People won't remember what you said a year from now, but they'll certainly remember how you made them feel. And when you walk into a room somewhere, I'm telling you, that's what this is about. Man, I just realized I don't have near the answers I used to think I had. But I do know Jesus, and I do know that sometimes all you've got to do is be present. Sometimes you've got to show up. There's wisdom through silence. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. The best thing is nothing, because there's nothing. I just was in the lobby after the the nine thirty service with a man who had come to my church years ago, and when he found out I was back, came here. He said, uh, he said just three years ago, my son committed suicide, and he said, you know, I, I went through a real faith crisis. Not I didn't believe in God, but I went through a crisis in my faith. For him to share that with me in that moment, I, I, I didn't. have, I said, I, I. I'm pre- I mean, just preach this. And I said, I don't even know what to say, except I'm so sorry for your loss. I, I, didn't, I didn't quote Scripture. Well, you know, brother, the Bible says, I would hit someone in the mouth and ask Jesus to forgive me if you came up with that junk. Sometimes you shut up. See, that you went through the spiritual counsel. This is emotional, man. When somebody's lost somebody, sometimes all you do is just hug them. What can I do for you? I hurt for you. You don't always have to have the the greatest words. Wisdom sometimes is simply silent and expresses itself in tears and a hug. There's power in that kind of ministry, expression. Secondly, validation through tears. You know, sometimes you may not agree with how somebody feels, but that does not negate how they feel. One of the things I've learned about emotional awareness is this. If you feel a certain way, your feeling is valid. Even if I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. And when I say that, that would have been the old me. How can you feel that way? Why would you feel that way? I wasn't allowed to feel when I was a kid. was not allowed to feel. Emotions were unacceptable. Because I grew up in a neighborhood that just didn't allow it. If you cried as a boy, you're going to get the snot beat out of you even more. So some of us live in that world where you don't even know what to do when someone's emotionally having a breakdown. Just have it with them. Just have it with them. That's not weakness. That's brotherhood. That's sisterhood. That's caring. There's safety in that kind of counsel. And lastly, hope through through presence. Sometimes just be present. Throughout my years of pastoring, there have been times I've been called to friends' homes and I didn't have a word of wisdom for them. I didn't have a scripture that I thought was going to help them. Just being honest with you. Because sometimes if people are broken spiritually, uh, emotionally, they don't hear what you say spiritually. You've got to address the emotion to open the door for them to hear something spiritually. You know why? Because some people, all they've had the Bible hit them over the head their whole life. And they're what I call Bible thumpers. And sometimes you just need to put your Bible down and wait for the open door for you to use that. But connect emotionally with people. Cry with them. Weep with them. Hold them. Be present. Let them hurt. Let them yell. Let them scream. The la- worst thing you can do is deny someone their anger in an emotional crisis. When people say, I'm mad at God, I say, you know what? I've been mad at him before, too. It's okay. People always say, I don't even mad. Like, God's going to smite you for being angry at him? God's not mad at you if you're mad at him. People say, well, I don't want to let God down. Let me tell you right now, you're not holding God up. So you don't have to worry about letting him down. So if you ever get mad at God, just tell him. I'm really ticked at you right now. God does not, God's not in (gasps) Mark's mad at me. Looks at Jesus. What are we going to do about this? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't try to fix people. Love people. Share your experience. Don't expect them to do what you tell them to do. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Change is inevitable. Growth is intentional. If you want to grow, remember, there's safety in a multitude of counsel. There are people who know things you don't know. You need to ask them. People who will pray for you like you can't pray for you. Ask them to pray. There are people who need to know how you feel. Share your feelings. In this place, we are mosaic. We're just a bunch of pieces of broken humanity that God has decided to piece together and make a beautiful picture of redemption. That's what this is all about. And one day, we are the body of Christ. We all fit in different places in different ways. We need each other we need each other father thank you so much that you saw from heaven the desperation of mankind and rather than judge us rather than give us instruction you sent love in the person of your only begotten son who wept who felt who was both emotional and spiritual mental intellectual He was what we needed him to be, and he still is what we need him to be every day. Lord, we choose to drop our walls so that nobody has to break them down. We drop our walls of insecurity and fear of what other people will think. There are approval addicts in this house today that every response they have to someone else is based on how they think that person wants them to respond. May we be an authentic people, God. When we hurt. Allow us the courage to hurt publicly. When we're in spiritual, a spiritual wilderness, may the transformation we've experienced empower us to call upon those to pray for us. When we just don't seem to be smart enough to handle what we're dealing with, may we look to those who are even smarter and ask for their help. Break the back of pride. With heads bowed and eyes closed, it all begins with an awareness of our own sin, an acknowledgement of that sin. The greatest gift that I've ever given to Christ is not the gift of the talent that He gave to me, but I gave Him my sin, which is all He asked for. He didn't ask me to be perfect asked me to be great he just asked me to give him my sin he paid for it he came in and he bought it and now he's asking you to hand it to him the thing that we withhold is the very thing that God wants is honesty about our sin today those of you that say that's, that's all I've got for God I've not been good, I've not done things right Live my life my own way, and it hasn't worked. What can I do? Give Him your sin today. The heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, and those of you watching online, I want to just ask you right now: If you're in an apartment, you're in your house, wherever you might be, a hotel room, I want to ask you just: If that's you, right here and there, if you say, "Mark, I need to surrender my sin and give that to God," I want to ask you just to lift your hand up right now in this building and lift it up in a, wherever you're at. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Over to my right, thank you. Those of you watching online, if you're in a hotel, just lift your hand up. You're the only one there. Just lift it up. Say, that's me, God. Here's my sin. I give it to you today. I've been dealing with it, negotiating with it, massaging it, trying to get it to go away. But God, not not anymore. My sin is yours. I'm telling you, God, here it is. I own it. I own it, and I'm giving it to you because you bought it so that I could be free. Now, let's all pray this prayer right now. Say, Father God, I gladly acknowledge today that I have sinned and I have been a sinner. And today I give my sin to you. I repent of it. I acknowledge it. And I thank you, God, that you sent your son to die for that sin. So today I'm born again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap and all these who lifted their hand. just a moment at, at the end of the worship experience I want to ask the prayer partners prayer team to come to either side of the stage if you lifted your hand I want to give you an opportunity to just come up and acknowledge you know when pastor said that I, I prayed that prayer today I'm one of those that gave God my sin why is this important it's important for you the devil loves keeping things in secret he does it's a reason I talk openly about my life now I will never live in the shadows of shame again in my life I have sinned in so many ways and you know what? I'm not ashamed anymore. You said we well, ought to be. No, I'm not. My father loves me and he gave his only son for me. And I will not live in the shadows of my life. I'm going to live in the sun and the light of God the rest of my life. I want you to live in that same light. So please, a part of that begins with you sharing with someone else.